Welcome back to How They Train. Today I'm joined by Australian professional runner Luke Matthews. Luke is an Olympian, Commonwealth Games bronze medalist and world champs rep. Luke is a part of like the young Australian contingent looking to take over the world in distance running, but from what I've heard, has a pretty wise old head on his shoulders. Luke, thanks for joining me, mate. Uh, how's everything going in your life at the moment? Hey, mate. Um, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, not too bad. I, um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the last two years with injuries and COVID kind of kind of ended in the most typical way possible with me spending New Year's Eve and New Year's Day um, in isolation with COVID. So, um, how am I going? Yeah, fully recovered from COVID. Still feeling a little bit still feeling a little bit average but um but yeah been a been an eventful start start to 2022 were you um were you fully injury free prior to getting COVID? um uh, I, yes and no i'd say i was I feel like my achilles is is pretty much fully recovered um but in terms of training load i was probably only you know maybe three or four or maybe two to three weeks back of building up to of my running load again. So it was, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's this Achilles has kind of been something that's been hanging around for, I'm going to say about 15 months now. So I wouldn't say that I'd say that it was maybe 90% recovered. And I was, yeah, in my third to fourth week back building back up of like, kind of like running every second day of doing like one minute reps, two minute reps, three minute reps type thing. So yeah, it, it should, that's kind of the, uh, the long answer to a very short question. Yeah, so I guess the good thing is you've got time on your side at least, but it's been a like a long two years dealing with injury. Hey, um, how old were you? Were you twenty one or twenty two when you went to the Olympics back in Rio? Yeah, so I um, I turned twenty one in June of twenty sixteen. So pretty much all my qualifiers and a lot of my European racing was done was when I was twenty, and then yeah, I competed at the Olympics when I was twenty one. So. Um, pretty, yeah, kind of, kind of threw myself in the deep end in 2016. Um, learned a lot and learned a lot of at a young age. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty eye-opening experience to be honest. I know you've had some big results since the Olympics in 2016, but what's it like going from the Olympics being so young with everyone talking about how you're one of the next big things in, in athletics to having to take so much time off through like setbacks and, and potentially feeling like you're missing out on things a bit? Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I, I suppose you kind of hit the nail on the head there that it was, um, yeah, like 2016 was kind of one of those things where it was, I, I kind of, I suppose, um, got, a, got a bit of a name and got a bit of a buzz around myself and kind of had this idea that um, had a bit of talent and kind of the world was my oyster type thing and expect big things over the next, you know, five to 10 years type thing. But um, it's and and you know I'm saying like I, I probably lived up to maybe part of that. Um, there's probably been a few disappointing things and things where I, I don't know have been a little bit underwhelming. Um, but I suppose 2016 started for me almost at like the start of 2015. Um, so at the start of 2015, I um, was kind of just going through a bit of a I don't know a bit of a transitional period both in my life and and in athletics. Um, I'd had a bit of success in 2014. I'd gone to the World Juniors. And after the World Juniors of 2014, I was kind of just in this a bit of a lull. Um, I was kind of just struggling to find motivation. Um, I was I was tossing up whether to go to college. I was kind of, I don't know, I just felt a little bit lost in my athletics. Um, and I kind of just soldiered on um, to the start of 2015. And I remember I had this really bad race in 2015. Um uh, I did a mile in Perth and I think I ran about 4.20 and it was, it was absolutely terrible. And I remember it was, in, it was in February, yeah, February of 2015. And I remember being in the Perth airport um, on the way back to Melbourne. And I, I said to my mum, who was my coach at the time, I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm not, not sure if I'm enjoying it. Like, I just feel, I just feel like there could be other things that I could be doing in my life. Um, and, you know, coming, coming last at the, Perth, uh, the yeah, the Perth Track Classic running four to twenty for a mile. It's it's not really something that I want to, you know, it's not something that I want to do with my life. And I kind of, I kind of got that three hour, four hour flight back, and I, I was pretty much like to myself, I don't know, like I'm almost retired from athletics. And when I landed back in Melbourne, um, I was, I was on the red eye, so I was screwed with jet lag. And I ended up, I remember, I just, I got into bed and had a, had a two or three hour nap, and 
I woke up to mum being like, no, like we, you can't just give away the sport like this. Like let's, let's, let's reassess. And um, I remember mum said to me, look, you, you, you should either do one of two things, find a new coach or, or go to college in America. So I spoke to a few colleges. I spoke to a few coaches and after weighing up all my options, I, um, I decided to go with um, Nick Badeau with that was that was that who who fronted the Melbourne Track Club, and pretty much when I joined that, that that was pretty much the start of of a of of what happened in 2016. So, um, in 2014, 20, so the start yeah the 2015 for the domestic season, I I raced okay, um, and then pretty much all of 2015 I travelled to America and then travelled to Europe, and I kind of look at 2015 as my apprenticeship year in the sense that it was just a, bit, a little bit of a taste of what was to come and I, I did America I, I raced once in America I went over to Europe did seven weeks in Europe did uh, raced four times ran a PB and uh, got to kind of live the professional athlete lifestyle um, and pretty much once uh, everyone headed to world champs kind of at the start of August and I went home and I remember saying to myself I'm, I was like there's no chance that I'm ever um, going to miss out on a team or oh, oh, there's no chance next year where I'm going to miss out. So pretty much when I came home, had a two week break, break uh, two week break. So I'm not sure what happened there. And pretty much from the start of pretty much from the start of September, 2015, I kind of said to myself, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to make the Olympics. And fortunately enough, six months later, I'd ran a qualifying time and, and, and qualified. And I think, um, I think for me, like, qualifying and 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 um i qualified early and i, and I was picked for the olympic team and i kind of went over to europe in 2016 and i just kind of thought everything would happen um but yeah i kind of obviously learned a lot in that 2016 year where i saw such massive highs and such massive lows that it's kind of formed me into the athlete that i am today that um that running is a, is a very tough sport and i'm not really sure about i'm sorry i can't even remember what the question was but that's kind of <laughs> how 2016 was set up and then 2016 was kind of used as a foundation and a massive learning experience for what was to come in 2017, 18, 19. And I suppose with what all the shit that I've been dealing with in the last two years. So yeah, so yeah. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I thought it was kind of good to give it a little bit of um, context for how 2016 came about, um, you know, kind of in the, in the 12 months before that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great info. And I actually want to dig deep into that. So Obviously, like this is a thing that just happens with young kids in sport, particularly young kids who have been in sport forever. Um, and it's just sort of what they're – it's like everyone just identifies them as that that kid who does that sport and everyone thinks it's all just going to happen and that kid's just going to go on and, and achieve everything. And, and you see it like either they step away from the sport when they're 17, 18 or they continue on with it and they hate it. Like you only have to look at Australia. Like we have some great examples of that like – if you look at like our tennis players and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but like with you, you, you sort of went through that where you had that moment where you're questioning everything and you're thinking like, maybe this isn't for me. Like, am I missing out on other things? And you probably see your mates doing other things and you're not like fully happy to make such a quick turnaround from that to being like on the start line at the, the Olympic games is pretty crazy. Um, do you, what do you put it down to? Do you think it was just that shift to Nick Badeau where you went into a new environment and, and found love for it again or, well, what really changed? Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what changed. Um, I think that coming so twenty fourteen was twenty fourteen was my last year as a junior, um, and twenty fifteen was that first year as a senior. And I think um, at the time I was coached by my mum, and not to say that my mum wasn't a good coach because I ended up going back to her after I left Nick. I think it was just I was very um, immature as an athlete um, and I wasn't really sure exactly what it took to kind of take it to the next level. I think I, I, always, I always knew I wanted to go to the Olympics and I always knew that I wanted to compete at, um, in big European races and win national championships and um, whatever it might have been. Um, but I didn't really know deep down what it took. Uh, and I think for me, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, if I was to give it up in when I was 19 years old, which looks a bit, looking back now, it's it's silly to even think that that was my mindset. Um, I think it was kind of that one thing where it was like, all right, let's give it one last try before I throw in the towel. Um, and I think, yeah, it was one of the, it was also probably a decision as well, where it's like, I've been doing this for so long and I felt like I had nothing to show for it. 
Uh, so yeah, I ended up, I kind of had that point where I was like, do I want to go to college? Or I want to join Nick. And the thing that made me decide, decide on going with Nick instead of going over college was he, he sat me down and he pretty much said to me, he's like, what would you rather do? Would you rather, would you rather run at the, run at the pen relays in 2016 or, or run at the Olympics? And I kind of was taken back. It was like, fuck, like there's a possibility that I could maybe go to the Olympics next year. And I think that that's probably what got me over the line with going to Nick. But then when I actually started training with Nick, I actually realized that I was so immature as an athlete. I didn't really know what, it, what it actually took beforehand. Uh, so I kind of went from this athlete that was just kind of doing the bare minimum and doing what I thought was right to then going and joining Nick, traveling to America, traveling to Europe. And I kind of really learned what it took to be a professional athlete. And that was kind of, a mix of everything, like putting, putting the sport first, um, focusing on my diet, focusing on my strength, seeing regular physio, seeing regular massage therapists, kind of doing all the things right. And I suppose what, I don't know, what was the, what was the turning point? I think it was maybe just the realization that I could actually be an elite athlete and I could make a career out of it. Um, And it was kind of 2015, I kind of got through on hope and, hope that I'd make a team and I'd, and, and also like a mindset, like I'm going to do it. And then I suppose actually following through and then making the teams and signing a contract was probably the, probably the, probably the turning point where it's like, okay, shit, like maybe I can make a career out of it. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it, and then it, it probably goes down the other, the other fork in the road. It's like, you know, I, I kind of used 2015 as like, all right, next year is my big year. I'm not really sure what would have happened if I missed out on 2016, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but I think definitely definitely going to Nick and and realizing that's what it what it takes to be an athlete probably was probably was one of the big big things, and as well as that, I think the passion for me like when I was before Nick when I was coached by my mum, I was pretty much training a lot by myself, um, and I went from training by myself to then joining Nick and training with you know ten of Australia's best middle to long distance athletes, so. It was just a new new training environment, new stimulus, just new 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 training methods, um, and yeah, it was just kind of a, a fresh start. And and yeah, pretty much learned the ways of what it took to be to be a top level athlete. So with this, I reckon, like as someone who's like in that system and and been through it all, you can sometimes forget like that. There's like these really little interesting details in these stories that that people never hear about. So. When you're when you and your mum have that conversation where you're like, okay, you've got to find a new coach or you've got to go to college, um, how does that process work? So, like, how do you get in touch with Nick Bedeau, who who is obviously you know the head coach of Melbourne Track Club, which is sort of like the the premier distance running group in Australia? How does that whole process go about? Like, are you just is it an easy one where you just tee up a coffee and you meet up for a coffee with Nick, and you know next thing you know you're training with the group on a Tuesday, or, or yeah, how does it how does it all play out? Uh, yeah. So like, uh, look, I'd say that, I'd say that mine and Nick's relationship isn't great now. Um, like we, yeah, I, I, but, uh, but, but what I can say is that Nick is Nick, Nick, if you, if you do send him an email, he, he is pretty receptive and he, and he is wanting to help. Cause I do think that the people he looks after, he, he wants them to achieve the, the, the best out of themselves. Um, so the, the difference with me was I, I actually had met Nick maybe sometime in 2012 um, for whatever I can't I, I'd, I'd been friends with uh, with Ryan I'd had a, like a friendship with Ryan from when I was a really young kid I remember I went up to Ryan when I was like 11 years old and he was 16 and we met each other at a national championships and from there we kind of kept a bit of a friendship kind of almost as me just being a little fanboy and him, him being this kind of the next big thing um, and I think it was in about 2012 uh, I was running in a school competition and I think Nick, I can't remember the exact moment, but I think Nick had actually um, either uh, spotted me or had introduced himself or something like that. Uh, and then pretty much from there, we exchanged emails. And then in 2013, he, he kind of loosely became my manager, I suppose. He pretty much offered me some um, like a, a, a kind of a, not quite a contract, but, of, but a bit of new, a help from New Balance. And pretty much from, from 2013, we kind of kept a bit of a, a loose, informal relationship where he was almost like my manager. Uh, he got me into a couple of races in New Zealand and he got me gear with New Balance and stuff like that. So when I kind of 
got to that point in 2015, uh, we'd had a decent relationship where I was able to kind of call upon him and ask a favor or whatever it might've been. Um, and then, yeah, at that point he was, he, he was coaching the best athletes in Australia. So um, he was one of, I think it was one of three coaches that I contacted. Um, and he was the only person that I spoke with face to face. So, so yeah, I suppose for me, it was a little bit different because I, I had a previous relationship, but I know of other people that have literally just, you know, sent him an email out of the blue and he started helping him a week later. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I said, my, mine and Nick's relationship is terrible at the moment. Like, uh, you know, I, I can't, uh, <laughs> don't agree with a lot of stuff that he does and I, I can't really stand him, but um, I, I do have to commend him on the, on the, on the manager and coach that he is, is that he just really wants to help people and he, he wants to get the best out of people. And, if you do email him asking for help, he's I'm I'm ninety five percent sure that he'll probably help you. So so yeah, that's kind of how I got onto Nick. So yeah, it was pretty much he was informally my manager, um, and then I just kind of asked him one day to coach me, and then you know a week later he was my coach, and I was joining in down at the Tuesday session with Melbourne Track Club. Yeah, see, this stuff is actually really interesting, and like maybe to you or to someone who's been in that position, it's like oh, it's sort of boring. Like we're just talking about sending an email and having a chat. Like, but but that inside like. Um, like a little inside look into into how like the inner workings of the sport work are actually like bloody fascinating. Um, and we might dig a little bit deeper to that in a second, but I just want to like, I don't want to step too far ahead. So when you start joining that, the Melbourne Track Club coming from, you know, being like a junior athlete, how did your training change? So can you walk me through like maybe your training um, that first week when you got there and then, and then continue through 2015 and, and into your building the Olympics? So going into that like really highly professional squad that, that MTC is um, compared to, to where you were at before that? Yeah, so um, I'd say my my uh, my training when I was with my mum pre-Nick was, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to remember exactly the type of stuff we were doing, but um, there was, there was, the plan was to have a, a decent emphasis on, you know, like the, aerobic side and the threshold but there was also a large emphasis on on speed endurance so getting a good mix of paces throughout the week um but yeah if you, if you were to ask me kind of training sessions pre-2015 it's kind of tough to recall um but i'd say once i joined nick um he has a pretty pretty simple i'd say relatively simple method that 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 you know it, it is very successful because he he does have I mean, like I achieved so much when I was with Nick and he, and he has managed to get so many results out um, to, to this day. Um, so yeah, pretty much when I joined Nick, it was a, the way that it would work was Saturday. Uh, sorry. So like if I, if I look at sessions throughout the week, Tuesday was, was something which was, yeah, I kind of, I kind of called that like my strength training, um, which was anywhere between like 1500 meter pace to like 5k pace or maybe even a little bit slower, but um, yeah, kind of like 8K, 7 to 9K worth of work, um, anywhere from reps from 400 metres to 2K. Um, a lot of the time was it's done on a grass track. Um, maybe in the, early, in the early like months of, say, like October, November, we might do it at the 10 or something like that. Um, we might do like 8 by K. Uh, but then it's kind of as you get closer to the summer, it's kind of a bit bit more specific in the sense where it's like yeah reps like you know miles 800s 400s 200s type thing um thursday is almost always always a was always a threshold and then saturdays was either was either short hills long hills or kind of like a hilly hilly tempo threshold um but i think the biggest thing that that when i joined nick um which kind of i think got me from let's say an, an okay junior or a, a decent junior runner to say one of Australia's best within let's say 15 months um, was just that he kind of, he kind of teaches you like consistency. Uh, I remember one of the first things he said to me was that he pretty much said that if you want to look at, if you want to look at a, a year of training, you want as many weeks looking the same as possible. Um, and I remember I kind of, that kind of stuck to me a lot when I came back from Europe in 2015 was he pretty much said to me, aim between 120 and 130 Ks a week and hit that and try to have everything, you know, almost identical for as many weeks as possible. And, you know, I think that it's, it's, 
I think some people can kind of look at um, a training week and think, oh, you know, if you do too many weeks that are the same, it's just too repetitive and you won't achieve. But I think the biggest thing is that he wants to build a big aerobic engine. And once you have a big aerobic engine, you can kind of do anything. You can, you can add speed to that and, you, and you're kind of indestructible and you can do anything you want. So I'd say what joining Nick in 2015, it pretty much taught me that you just have to be really consistent with what you're doing. And if you have a, if you have a training method coming from a coach, you have to stick to it. You have to buy into it hundred percent. And, and yeah, you kind of, once you do 12 months of that, you, you, you should see results like automatically, I'd say. Yeah. And so can you walk us through a little bit of like the dynamic when you walk into a group like that, because it's obviously so different to, to where you've been. And now suddenly you're a teammate and training partner of, of Australia's best runners. Is it competitive? Are you just all mates? Like is, is the training like um, the style of training where you're trying to, you know, big dog each other and drop each other or are you just doing your own thing and everyone's really disciplined about doing their own thing and that's more encouraged? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'd say, say my experience going into that group and I, I was a part of that group from what, February 2015 to I think it was July, August 2017. So the best part of say two and a half years. Um, I'd say my experience was, was, was pretty smooth joining. Um, I had a relationship with a lot of people in the group already um, just through yeah, meeting people at races and meeting people at Falls Creek, whatever it might've been. So I naturally got along with everyone pretty well. I felt like, yeah, I had, yeah, had a really smooth transition. Um, and not that I, not that I think that anyone has any bad transitions into that group. It's just that for me personally, I felt like I, I was already really good friends with Brett and Grego and Collis and, and the girls in the group. Um, but yeah, I suppose in terms of team dynamic, I think that's probably that's probably the one thing which which I think uh, I'm not going to say all professional groups, but this professional group has is that they do have an amazing ability to um, work together really well, um, and then be able to kind of put pride and put ego and put attitude aside for Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions, even jogs throughout the week. Um, and then, you know, kind of use each other to, for, 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 for everyone else's advantage and then be able to go to a race on Saturday and then just, just go hammer and tong at each other. Like I remember, yeah, like I, I pretty much trained side by side with, with Ryan Gregson for yeah two and a half years, um, you know, pretty much did almost everything throughout, throughout the year. Um, we would, you know, maybe go for a jog on the Monday together, train together Tuesday, Thursday, um, speak, be speaking to each other throughout the week, but then we'd race on the Saturday. Um, we wouldn't probably wouldn't warm up together. We'd fucking try to destroy each other on the track, and then we'd cool down together, have a beer with each other afterwards. So, um, I think the the dynamic in that was uh, it was really good because yeah, we were we were able to train together, um, but then we could also you know kind of put that friendship aside for three three and a half minutes on the track for a 1500 meters and then be friends again afterwards so um yeah there wasn't too much when i was there there wasn't too much rivalry too much tension or anything like that at all so i um in terms of friendships with with people in the group when i was there it was yeah n- nothing but positive to be honest yeah how good's that and you said something else that sort of like made you successful um, when you transitioned over to, to Nick Badeau's program is that you became more of a professional. So things like, you know, sleep and diet and that type of thing. So how did that all unfold? Did you get there and it was sort of like, uh, you know, were they observing what you were doing and being like, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, do this, this and this? Or is it just more following the lead of everyone else and you realize, oh, shit, I'm not doing any of that and I need to start? Yeah, I think it was, to be honest with you, I, I don't reckon there was ever a time where someone said to me, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this type thing. It was more, a, it was more, I feel like the standards of the group are kind of um, displayed by like the senior members in the group type thing. So like, you know, for example, like I pretty much once I got there, I yeah, wasn't really told like I said, wasn't really told don't do this or do this. I pretty much went in there and tried to be as much of a sponge as possible. Um, I would, if uh, one of the first, one of the first training camps I went into was America, well, I went to, a, we went to um, California and did a training camp in the mountains for, I think it was five weeks. Um, and that was the first time 
I kind of was living, I suppose, with professional athletes for an extended period of time on a training camp. And pretty much everything that I did, uh, I think I was rooming with Brett from memory. Um, I reckon I probably asked him about a thousand questions in a five-week period. Uh, anything he did, I pretty much just tried to tried to copy. Um, same with like Gregson and Collis Birmingham and and the, and the people around. If they if they uh, fueled a certain way before a session, I copied that and kind of had my own little taste on it, my own little touch on it. Um, if they warmed up in a certain way, I did the exact same thing. I kind of pretty much formulated my own um, preparation and diet and gym and and physio, whatever it might be, just by pretty much being a sponge and watching all the people around me. Um, and yeah, like I said, like I think I, I don't think I don't think Nick or or the Melbourne Track Club has a specific set of rules. It was more just that the this it's like a an unspoken unspoken um, yeah unspoken standard set by everyone else just by simply uh, senior members of the group just um, doing what they do. So. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I think it was just yeah, pretty much just watching the people around me and I'd, I'd almost copy them. And then if I did have questions, just ask them. Um, didn't I wasn't didn't feel afraid to to be feel like I was being stupid and just yeah, just try to if you make a mistake once, just try not to make the same mistake again type thing. And was there anyone in particular that like did something that you still do or that you remember that you just a hundred percent followed? Like you know, did Collis put? you know, three tablespoons of honey on his oats. So you did as well or, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, not specifically. Um, I'd say, well, my, my idol grow, like, I mean, I, I always looked up to, you know, I feel, I feel like growing up from when I was about 11 or 12, I always had idolized Ryan. Um, and yeah, I think naturally I was drawn to whatever Ryan was doing, um, especially because he was at the time the national 15 has been a record holder. And that's saying that I wanted to, hopefully be one day. Um, I think I just kind of naturally copied what he did. Like I know for a fact that uh, when I got there, he's in the morning before a session or before a, a jog, he would always have a piece of toast, a banana and a coffee. And to this day, if I have a session, I have a piece of toast, a banana and a coffee. Um, so that's the, that's the thing I could say that I maybe, maybe copied directly from someone but I feel like every everything else, it's kind of like watching what everyone else does, but then doing everything, doing something like like copy, like having, like having doing what other people are doing, but having your own influence on it type thing. Um, I can't really pinpoint a specific thing, but maybe it was within my warm ups, like you know, doing the doing the right drills or. Maybe it's in my um, in my gym exercise or whatever it might be, but but yeah, that's the only thing I can maybe pinpoint, which is directly like someone else. But I feel like yeah, being around that group for two and a half years, you kind of yeah copy every not copy everyone else, but see what everyone else is doing, but then kind of have your own own take on everything, whether that's physio, gym, or preparation before a race, or um, recovery after a race, or whatever it might be. And then you end up at the Olympics as a 21-year-old. Like, I mean, I have so many questions about that, but, like, what's that like? What's it like, the whole experience? And, and like, what's it like standing on a start line in, at, like, an Olympic track race at 21? Um, yeah, look, it's uh, – I'd say, I'd say for me personally, the 2016 Olympics wasn't a fantastic experience. Um. I would say probably from June of 2016, um, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to accept it at the time uh, because I don't think it, I don't think you can. Uh, but yeah, June of July of that year, I, I was pretty, I was pretty well fatigued and I was pretty, pretty overdone just with everything that was. I, I, I'd, I'd, like I said, I'd, I'd pretty much been full steam ahead since September of 2015, training as hard as I could to make this team. Um, train went on two training camps through November and January in Falls Creek. Raced maybe six times in the Australian season. Run a run an eight hundred meter qualifier. Went to national went to the national championships. Had, quali- had won the national championships and qualified. Had this massive had a had a massive like emotional high every second week of um, through February and March. Um, and then pretty much as soon as I qualified and made the national championships. I was on a plane to America um, two days later and then started a training camp. 
trained as hard as I could through all of April, went over to Europe in May, was competing, you know, once a week type thing. And then by the time I pretty much got to June or, or let's, let's call it July, I was, I was like absolutely cooked. Like I was, yeah, I was just training. I was training okay, but I was racing pretty poorly. Um, but I suppose it didn't really like reality didn't kick in for me probably until we got to our pre-Olympic training camp in, in, in California. Um, we did a training camp for, I think it was like three or four weeks before we went over to Rio and I was just training so shit. Like I was getting drops just by in easy stuff. And I was started to really stress out that the Olympics were going to go shit. Um, and yeah, for me going to the Olympics, it was one of those things where it was more like, fuck, like it wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't there saying to myself, all right, how, how well can I go? Like, let's fucking, let's fucking win the heat. Let's win the semi. Let's try and make the final. Let's, let's go bang in the final. Mine was purely like, fuck, like, am I going to be there? Am I like, how, how much am I going to embarrass myself type thing? So yeah, I, looking back, like, I suppose I didn't really get to enjoy the Olympics as much as I probably should have. Um, because when I got there, like I was just so intimidated and so scared to race because I was so overdone and so fatigued. So, yeah, I, I mean, like once, once competition was done, I had a lot of fun. Like I went out, I partied and did, did all the, did all the fun stuff and ate the McDonald's and, and whatever. Um, but yeah, I think for me that being on the start line of the 800 and the 1500, I was just like, yeah, like, fuck, I just want this over and done with and I just don't want to be embarrassed. So, yeah, I, I kind of left the Olympics thinking, all right, like that was really embarrassing. I embarrassed myself in front of so many people on Channel 7 and all my friends at home. I kind of said to myself, like, I, ne I never want that to happen again. So, yeah, I, I mean, I wish I could say to you that it was like the, 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 the most awesome experience ever and, you know, I got to live out the Olympic dream type thing. For me personally, it was, uh, it was a pretty sad and upsetting experience and I always thought um that you know I i'd always be able to redeem myself in tokyo um but yeah just just didn't quite go my way but yeah i suppose i probably didn't really so i probably didn't really like get to appreciate that i went to the olympics and i was an olympian and i was in the olympic village and got to do so many cool things probably until a few months later uh, because yeah to be honest i was i was pretty upset and, and pretty down um for the month or so after the olympics it's pretty wild, isn't it? How it's like that's that's a kid's dream is to like go to the Olympics, and when you're growing up, you're like, "Fuck, it would just be so good if I could go to the Olympics." And then you get there, and you, it's just not at all the experience you maybe like imagined it being for you. Um, and I guess it's like it, you just sort of just change, like when your expectations change. Like it's not like oh, I want to stand on the Olympic start line. It's it's well, I'm here to perform now. And and if you could like take us back to when you realised, oh shit, maybe maybe this isn't going to go the way I, I'm expecting it to go. Do you have conversations with like Nick or, or like the people you're working with at the time and be like, hey, I'm feeling like so cooked here. Um, do we have to change what we're doing leading into the, to the Olympics? Do I need to take a break now and, and, you know, build back into it? Or how does that whole, how does that whole build up work? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I was, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think at the time... I felt like the only person I could really like confide in was like my family back in Melbourne. Um, just because when you, when you're in a, in a group group setting like that, you kind of, you don't want to be the the one that's bringing the energy down and you don't want to be the one that's kind of confiding in, you know, the training partners or whatever. And I think that I, I can't really speak for Nick now, but I think Nick back then was pretty hard to approach. Like if I had said to Nick, like, fuck, like I'm fucked. Like I need to change training. I would pretty much would have been told that I was, that I was weak or overthinking or something like that. So I feel like when I was in that, in that period of time, I was only confiding in my mum and my dad back in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was, it's, it's pretty daunting. Cause I felt like every day that I was training, I was getting, I felt like I was getting worse and worse and more fucked and more tired. Um, and I was getting closer and closer to the Olympics. So there was a couple of times where I did a, I did a few sessions where I was like, fuck, all right, you know, it's starting to look a little bit positive, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, I think at the time being, being such a young kid and inexperienced and, and not really dealing with too much adversity in, in, um, at a professional level, I didn't really know how to react properly. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I couldn't really confide in Nick and I definitely didn't confide in Nick at all. Um, 
but yeah, I think it was more just, yeah, me just going back to my, back to my, back to my mum and dad being like, fuck, like, what am I going to do type thing? But yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, it was pretty lonely because like, yeah, I was on a training camp in, yeah, in America and you're in the middle of nowhere, you're training like shit, you got, you got the biggest race of your life coming up and it's like, fuck, like, like this is this is meant to be a dream come true type thing and it's it's more daunting than it is exciting type thing so yeah it's pretty pretty tough yeah i mean it was pretty tough leading up to that and then the month after that like i was yeah like i it's pretty 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 sad to go back and think now but i remember that after after the olympics i was i hardly left my i hardly left my bedroom like i was pretty much the only time i'd really leave my bedroom would be to go out to a bloody nightclub on the on the on the Saturday. So besides that, I was pretty much in bed just fucking watching Foxtel, which is pretty grim to think about now. But but yeah, pretty uh pretty yeah tough tough little tough little moment of my life. But I think uh you know I think those experiences you know running isn't isn't linear and running isn't one of those things where you just get better and whatever. I think you've got to deal with a little bit of adversity to kind of come out the other side, of a better athlete. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey mate, what got you out of it? So you're in that funk where you've, you've, you know, you've just been to the Olympics and it was, it was not at all what you expected. And, and you'd had a really tough lead in where you sort of felt, felt alone and, and you're, you know, on the other side of the country feeling alone, you know, the only like solace you had was that you could call your mum and dad while you're, while you're over on the other side of the country, which is like, you're a 21 year old kid at the time. That's so, um, thanks for sharing that. Cause that's like a really tough experience for, for, for you, particularly at that age. Um, so how did you get yourself out of it and, and what happened after the, after that, that funk you're in? Uh, yeah, I think yeah after that, like I, I knew that I was, I knew that I was so fucked. Like I was just so fatigued. Like the only thing that I could really do was just rest and recover and just kind of get my mind back, back in it. So yeah, I kind of, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure Nick said to me like after the Olympics, he originally wanted me to do a race about a month after Rio, but I remember thinking like, fuck, I can, I can barely break five minutes for five minutes per K for a run right now. Um, so I kind of said to Nick, like, nah, like there's no way that I can race. Um, and, he, and I think he responded to that just saying, yeah, like just take as long as you need to come back. And then, um, I'd say probably probably from when I landed back in Australia, it probably took me about a month to go back to training. Um, and what was what kind of got me back? I think I was just done feeling sorry for myself. Like I was done. I was kind of over it emotionally, and I was just kind of ready to get the new year started. And I think the good thing about the good thing about training with such a big group at the time was that it is easy to to be motivated to go to training because you know you. I was going to training and I was being around my friends and it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to pinpoint an exact moment, but I think I was just, yeah, I think I just, you know, kind of not fully gotten over it, but just being, just stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I kind of just said, all right, I'm going to come back on the Monday, you know, the Monday, which was four weeks afterwards. And, and that was that. And, Went, went, went for my jog on the Monday, went to training on the Tuesday and then kind of just eased back into it. And then, um, yeah, I just, just because I knew that like the, the goal for the year after was the world champs, I just didn't really put too much pressure on myself and just kind of rocked up to training and, and did what was required of me. And then, yeah, if you kind of do that and you just go, get yourself to training and get yourself to do what's required of you the day, you're naturally going to get better and you're naturally going to get fitter and you're naturally going to be a better athlete. But but yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think that there was like a mental mental decision or whatever it is where it was, oh sorry, there was a mental decision where I stopped feeling sorry for myself. But I can't remember the exact moment where I kind of had that had that decision made type thing. Yeah, and then I guess from there, like um, it's it's a big period of time. But but twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen sort of seemed like they were they were better years for you, um, at least at like championship races. Like in twenty seventeen, you went to the world champs and. Um, and like you had a pretty good performance there, I would have thought compared to, to at least compared to your performance at the Olympics. And, and then obviously you went on to do what you, what you did at the Commonwealth games in 2018, where you, you know, you, you got a bronze medal, came third at in the 800 and, and made the final of the 1500. So can you sort of like walk me through the progression of, of those next sort of couple of seasons and, and how your training evolved and, and how, how, how everything involved like in, inside the group and, and with you as an athlete and as a person? Um, yeah, I mean, Oh, 
yeah, 2017 was like an absolute roller coaster of a year, and it was it was kind of a roller coaster as well with my um with with Nick. So, I mean, 20 I felt like 2016 got off to a um 20 like yeah the start of that season kind of got off to a a decent point. I, I felt like I was training pretty poorly, um, not training poorly, but I was just kind of yeah I suppose just I don't know. I just wasn't, I probably just wasn't, even though I'd come back to training after the Olympic stuff, I probably didn't have that kind of mindset where it's like, you know, let's fucking be the best athlete I can. I was kind of just rocking up to training and being like, just, just do what, just, I was just doing what I was told. I was just kind of going through the motions. Um, I suppose for that year, um, this, I, I went to Falls Creek in January. Um, I'd come back and then I'd done, I did the nitro athletics early on in Feb and then, I went over to New Zealand um, for, I think it was for two weeks and did two races um, the tail end of February. And I did, I ran one race. Okay. I ran one race quite well. And then the second race I actually ran, uh, I came second, but I, I thought I'd run quite poorly and got a bit of a rinsing from Nick and kind of got a bit of a kick up my ass. And the good thing about that was I pretty much once I landed back from New Zealand, back in Melbourne, we went to Falls Creek two or three days later and I remember if like I go back into my training log now, which is in from March of 2017, I said, I think, I, I think there's a note in there there. It says, all right, no more, no more fucking around time to be a time to be a fucking beast or something like that. And <laughs> I went up to falls. Yeah. I, yeah. I went up to falls Creek and I was, I was pretty unfit. Like I wasn't going that well. Um, but I just said to myself, oh, I'm going to go up to falls Creek for, for all of March with, I went up with like the, with half the group. So I was training with, with Gregson and a few other people up there. And I remember just saying to myself, fucking, I'm just going to train as hard as I can. Um, because once I, once the training camp was done, I was, we were going to head straight to Sydney for the national championship. So I was like, I've got four weeks to kind of get my shit, turn my shit around. And I went up to Falls Creek and I just trained like, I just trained so fucking hard and did everything I could to try be, to try be a, a better athlete and try to put myself in the best position to win the national championships. And, I think I went up there, I did four weeks and I think I averaged, I probably did, I think my smallest week up in those four weeks probably would have been 150K. So I did four weeks at 150 plus Ks a week. Um, and mind you, I was, I was training to do the 800 metres at the national championship. So not many 150K weeks for Australian national 800 metre runners. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of went, I went up to nationals and I think that I was... I definitely shouldn't have, I don't think I was the favorite and I don't think I definitely should have won. I just think that my mindset was that I was just going to, that there was no way that I was going to lose. And I, I ended up winning by 0.04. We literally like me and Josh Ralph, like went to the start, went to the line and we were literally dipping. Um, and I ended up getting the win and ended up, um, yeah, putting myself in a good position for the rest of the year to qualify. Um, but yeah, a week later we went to, well, um, I stayed in Melbourne for a week and then we went over to training camp. I think it was like the middle of April um, and kind of just was going to do the same thing that I'd done the year before, where it was a few weeks in Europe, a few weeks in America and then head over to America, head over to Europe, set up, um, train over in Europe and then kind of set up the rest of the year. And I think for me personally, it was like me and Nick were kind of going through a lot of our, like our relationship. We were kind of blowing about personal things, training things, just about stuff that, that wasn't, I don't know. It was just, yeah, we were just not getting along well as at all. And um, I, I raced pretty well early on. So I did the Prefontaine Classic. I ran 354 mile, went over to Europe. And my first two races in Europe were 335 and 335. So I'd qualified for the 1500 at World Champs. Um, but yeah, I think for the rest of that year, uh, pretty much after then, if I look back, um, it was probably like late May to early June it was almost like a, a mirror image of the year before. And I felt like I was starting to get absolutely cooked again. Like I was, I was training poorly. I was fatigued in races. I just had no kick. I just had no engine. And, um, and then, yeah, pretty much because I was racing poorly because I was training poorly, just because I felt like I was so running so shit, obviously mine and Nick's um, relationship started to go downhill um, a lot more. Um, and yeah, it kind of reached a bit of a boiling point on a training camp. And, uh, we were on a training camp in Spain before the Olympics, uh, before the world champs. And, um, uh, my, my last race before that training camp, I'd run a 153, 800, 
um, at the Cork City Sports and um, and then I went on training camp the next day and I, I remember being on that training camp and for whatever like obviously I don't want to get into too much of the too much of the details but I felt like me and Nick were were having a fight or he was yelling at me every second day um, and then it reached a turning point where he had a massive goal at me and I, I was like absolutely shell-shocked and then I decided to leave so I ended up actually running really well at world championships. I won my heat and I missed out in the final by 0.3. Um, but I blamed that six. I credit that success to leaving Nick. There was no way that I was going to run that well if I had to stay with Nick because he was absolutely running me into the ground, um, both like physically, mentally uh, with my training and then also because of our relationship. Um, so yeah, I, I left Nick as a coach. I, I, I remember I booked a I booked a train ticket at six a.m. in the morning and I just left. I texted Nick and I said, "No, nah, I'm done. Um, I'm I'm done with this like this relationship. I'm I'm not going to be with you anymore." Um, and that was kind of it. So I went to World Champs without a coach, without a manager, and fucking with no form under my belt and just wasn't no plan. wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I pretty much turned it around and ended up. Yeah, missing out in the final by 0.3 and being the fastest qualifier from the heats to the semis. Um, but yeah, then that kind of set up. That kind of was the start of of what was to happen in, from to 2018. I I ended up going back to mum and we set up a plan for 2018 and how it was going to work. And then yeah, I ended up um, sticking to the plan and in 2018 and ended up being a a huge, huge, huge success. But but yeah, it's cut. Yeah, 2017. If I look back, was one of the toughest. I thought I thought you know coming fourth last and second last in my heats at the 2016 Olympics was a tough experience, but 2017 as a whole, when I was 21 turning 22, that was probably the the toughest American slash European slash World Championships I've I've ever been through. Yeah, mate, that's crazy. Hey, like your memory is elite, by the way. Like that was uh, <laughs> that was 2017, and it felt like you were telling a story that happened you know three four weeks ago. Um, and, and I, I, I fully respect not wanting to go into the, the actual details of it, but maybe could you talk to us about, because um, I don't think a lot of people would ever get to experience anything like this. Like you're in a professional training group that um, everyone regards as the best training group in, in the country that, that you're from. And they're all under one coach really. Um, and when like inside the group, you're having these um, personal issues with your coach where you know, he's yelling at you, you're, you're going back at him. And how, like, can you just take us inside that a little bit without obviously going into the specifics as, of what's being said that, that, that you don't want to get into? Um, like, how does it affect other people in the group? Is everyone seeing this happen? Is, is it happening when you're out in the track? Is it happening when you guys are back at, at apartments or hotels? Or um, is, it, is it happening over text? Like, how, how does it all, how does it all, how does it all work? Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a tough one. I felt like that year, um, it was no secret that Nick and I were bluing. Um, and a lot of, uh, some of the, some of the blues that we had kind of involved other people as well. And it involved training partners and it involved, you know, people in the group. Not, not, not that I was like dragging people down or anything like that, but I just felt like every situation had another person in it type thing. Um, but yeah, look, to be honest with you, it was pretty, when you when you when you cop a spray from Nick, um, I feel like everyone ends up knowing about it, and it is a pretty lonely place. Um, it's yeah, it's it's pretty tough. It's 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 kind of one of those things where you're obviously dealing with shit, but you also don't want to bring other people down. So it's like you deal with it, you deal with it yourself without kind of dragging other people in. Um, yeah, I mean, like naturally, I I spoke to other people about it, but I wasn't speaking to them as a I suppose as a as an athlete, I was kind of more speaking to them as a as a friend, um, and I wanted to do it in a way where it's like you know I didn't want to, like, me to change their opinions of it. It was more just like fuck, like I'm just like in a shit spot. But yeah, I mean like one of the I remember one of the one of the situations I had with Nick, like he we had a we had a fight. I can't even remember what we had a fight about, but his way of punishing me was that he thought that I was being like negative to the group and for the next week he made me train by myself so I had to do Tuesday Thursday Saturday sessions all by myself because that was his way of punishing me which was fucking bullshit for a 21 year old kid when all I wanted to do was just be the best athlete possible um yeah it's fucking lonely um and it's it's also tough as well when you feel like that anything you say or anything that's 
opposing the coach um, is just going to be pushed aside. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a pretty shit spot to be in. And, yeah, it's fucking lonely. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you do want to open up to people, you can only really do it, um, you know, if you're not trying to change their look or their perception of, of the head coach because that's just, yeah, I just think that's a, if you're doing things to try to try like brainwash other people, it's just a, you're just a shit sport to be honest. So I don't know. I think I feel like a lot of the time it was fucking, I just felt like there was a mixture of being like scared, lonely and just vulnerable. Um, Cause I always felt like it, I could be, I, I always felt like for whatever reason, I felt like I could be kicked out of the group just at the drop of a hat type thing. So it's one of those things where it's like, you wanted to kind of be upset and, and, and say something, but it was also kind of like being a little bit scared as well. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know it's it was fucking tough but at the same time like I mean I feel like all that like kind of dealing with so much shit at such a young age it kind of does make you have such thick skin and I don't know I feel like now I mean I haven't been able to do much over the last few years but going through 2018 and going through 2019 um, you know after all those experiences of 2016 and 2017 I just felt like it made me just a tougher person a tougher athlete and had such thick skin and I also think that when I kind of got out of that, I kind of just let nothing get in the way. And if something was in the way, I was just more persistent to try to just like knock it down and kind of get through the other side a better athlete. So, yeah, I mean, just how did I deal with it? It's just, I don't know, a couple lot on the shit, a couple lot of shit on the chin. And then when I got too much, just got that just got the F out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Th- thanks for opening up about that, mate. Um, nah, and right. then like you've sort of talked about, you went into 2018 and you had like, you had an amazing year, um, a crazy good year actually, to, to be, to be honest. Um, did you go back to working with your mum then in the lead up to the Commonwealth games in 2018? Yeah. So I, I got back, I got back, um, I got, back, I, I, my plan always originally was to race after world champs, but because I was just so mentally fatigued from the year and everything that had happened, um, I decided to come back home. And I kind of flirted with the idea with a couple of coaches that I was going to join. Um, but then kind of through September when I was taking my break, uh, yes, kind of like tail end of August, September, taking my break, um, I sat down with mum and we, we kind of formulated the plan that mum was going to be my coach. And that was going to, yeah, she was just pretty much going to overtake everything from Nick. Um, and yeah, like I said, because I, I was originally, I was originally going to join a join a be coached by a guy overseas, and then there was also a the possibility that I was, I, I was I was really keen on joining potentially one of those Nike groups, um, but for whatever reason it, it didn't work out, and I ended up joining. Um, I ended up you know having Mum on as my coach, um, and yeah, pretty much when I joined Mum, it was pretty much like all right, let's fucking let's fucking set up 2018. So yeah, she. She took over in, yeah, let's call it September, October, 2017. And um, yeah, she was, she's pretty much been my coach up until June of, of 2021 um, before I joined Nick. So, so yeah, she guided me through um, all the domestic season in 2018, Com games, um, all of 2019, um, 2020, I was pretty much injured the whole year. And then um, all of 2021 up until June. So, yeah. And so can you sort of take us inside that that lead up to the Commonwealth Games? Would you firstly, would you consider your your performance in the fifteen or the eight at the Commonwealth Games your your best performance ever? Um I think in terms of like uh I, I think it I think it has to be like my greatest achievement um to date. Um but do I think it's my best race? Like probably not. Um I think I've definitely raised better um at like particular national championships, but in terms of like my greatest achievement, yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, I like it's the, the mindset leading into Commonwealth Games was always was always win win the eight hundred and then hopefully get a medal in the fifteen. Um, because I feel like in the lead up, I I, I had the potential to possibly do that, but um, obviously didn't achieve achieve a gold and a and a bronze. I just got one bronze, but I think walking away with a bronze medal at the Com Games is is um is certainly a a good job um but yeah that yeah pretty much yeah i i think yeah it probably is my greatest achievement for sure 
and what did your like sort of training block and, and build up to those those uh, those events at the Commonwealth Games look like? So what were you doing sort of on a weekly basis? Like how much were you doing and, and what sort of sessions were you doing? And did you have like a specific block leading into it or were you sort of just more like training consistently with a bit of racing thrown in? Uh, yeah, so pretty like to be honest with you, like a lot of the stuff that I was doing wasn't too um, – it was pretty similar to what I was doing with Nick. So like I was kind of hitting that somewhere between 130 anywhere between say 120 to 140 k's a week um i did training blocks at falls creek for i did three weeks in november and i did three weeks in january um i was doing a kind of a strength-based session on the tuesday something aerobic on the on the thursday i'd say the major difference that i did was that if the if the strength stuff you know if i instead of needing a minute recovery i needed 90 seconds or or the reps are a little bit slower over 1K or a little bit quicker over 400, whatever it is. Like it was just a little bit more tailored to me, but sessions are pretty similar with what I did with Nick. Thursdays, um, yeah, th- like I mean, thresholds with Nick, it was pretty much similar. Like we'd always do, almost always do a 30 minute threshold on a Thursday. Um, I'd say there was times where I would do 30 minute thresholds, but as we got closer in, we'd do stuff like, um, maybe we'd do a 6k threshold and we'd follow it up by some 400s or 200s or something like that so it wasn't just pure aerobic it was a bit of there was an, another bit of stimulus in that but i'd say the biggest difference that we made was saturdays were strictly speed endurance um so early on in the year so early on in the cycle let's say november december we were doing short hills or um yeah short to long hills um you know, anywhere from like say 200 meter hills to 800 meter hills. Um, but as we kind of, as the, as we kind of got into the new year, Saturdays were strictly, strictly speed endurance on the track. Uh, and that was pretty much what we do is we do three to three and a half K worth of work. And the goal was to be hitting times that were close to, or even quicker than 800 meter race pace. Um, and yeah, I think that was probably, that was probably the, the thing that kind of, made me made 2018 so successful was that I was hitting race pace stuff at least once a week. Um, and as well as that, I was still getting a good amount of strength and a good amount of um, aerobic work into my week. Um, so that's why, yeah, like I think I was able to run decent 1500s, but also was able to run 800s and, and kick down the last 225 seconds or whatever it is. So um so yeah, I just felt like I yeah I just had a really good balanced week and I didn't have any niggles and 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 yeah, I think probably I mean I I think if I don't know I, I kind of I feel like timing is always a, is such a tough thing in athletics but I feel like my lead up to the national championships that year was was pretty bloody good and I raced really well at the nationals that year so I ran one forty five but around fifty four. For the I ran I did my splits in the eight in the final were fifty four fifty one, which you know a, a, the second lap of an eight hundred and fifty one is is pretty pretty good going. I think that the only difference between nationals and com games was that I probably trained a little bit too hard in those six weeks between, um, and I was probably just a little bit overdone. But I, I it was just really promising to know that even even being a little bit overdone at the com games, I was still able to get a third in the eight hundred and and make the final in the fifteen. So. It was um, at the time it was promising to think like what 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 could be um, if I if I get my timing right. Um, but yeah, I still I still haven't got my timing right, but I've still got a few more years in me. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's like pretty interesting because now, do you feel like you've got back to that position where you are a hundred percent in? Like right now, are you the the most committed to to being a professional runner you've ever been? My mind is like, all right, do everything I can for my running, but at the same time, like. I have to be realistic. Like I'm, I'm not quite sure what's happening in my contract. Um, I'm, I am turning 27 this year, and I, I am becoming a, you know, an, an old, not an old person, but I'm getting older and older. And realistically, I have to start thinking about life after athletics. So, I'd say my mind at the moment is finishing uni, um, starting to look at other things away from running, which is, you know, jobs and stuff. Um, but at the same time, I'm doing everything that's required me from running. But I'd say. I don't know. I'm hoping that come 2023, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a good balance where I'm working full time, but I'm also training as a, as a professional athlete as well. So, um, see, so yeah, I think it kind of to, to sum up that it's that 
I'm doing while I am building back up um, when I'm running and cross training, that's my hundred percent focus. But when I'm not, I'm also focusing on other stuff and that's uni and, and trying to get stuff on my resume as well. Yeah. Okay. That's like so interesting. So, um, I mean, I obviously don't want to talk money, but how is life as, as a professional athlete who has been injured for two years and like, do sponsors stay with you? Is that where like the majority of your income from, comes from, or do you have to go and get a part-time job like while you're at uni or is it, is it because I think like a lot of people just assume athletes make a lot of money. Um, and they don't realize that we're all just like normal people type of thing. Um, so like how does how does that all work when when you have had this like long string of injuries? Um yeah, I mean I feel like I was in a bit of a fortunate position where um I was I have been looked after by Under Armour um and uh Under Armour have a have a pretty good setup where yeah, I I haven't I mean I I signed with them in 2019. Um I had an okay year. Um I ran at the World Champs and um didn't run that well, but got there and ran some okay times that year. Um, but then, yeah, in 2020, obviously, I didn't race at all. Um, and that was obviously injury-related and COVID-related. And then 2021, I raced, I think, five times in the domestic season, but raced pretty poorly. Um, and, yeah, I think for me, like, I, 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 had a, I, had a, I had a decent contract where I was able to support myself, you know, be able to – you know, not, not live too much to the budget and be able to do what I want to do, you know, buy things that I want to buy and, and live a decent life. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm in, I'm in my option year this year and I'm, I'm still waiting to find out whether they're going to take my option. Um, so yeah, I'd say for the, so, so for, for me personally, like I feel like my contract's been at a good enough level where I've been able to live and not have to pick up a part-time job, but I'd say for, I'm not going to speak for outside Australia, but I'd say for the large portion of say, professional athletes in Australia, um, you know, minus your, your Stewies and, 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 you know, kind of the top athletes. And if you're, it'd be pretty, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of Australians, if, if they weren't having the support of their family or whatever it might've been, I feel like they would probably have to pick up a part-time job as well, because if you're, if you're a professional, if you're a professional athlete, like it's a pretty, it's like, it's kind of all in or nothing approach. And it's pretty hard to, you know, be training for three, four hours a day, full tilt, um, and then, you know, go and pour coffees at a cafe or whatever it might be. So, um, so yeah, I'd say for the large portion of athletics, it's, yeah, there isn't, I don't know, I, f- I feel like for the large portion of athletes in Australia, um, yeah, yeah, you kind of have to, yeah, there isn't too much float money floating around and, yeah, you, you either have to be yeah, having a part-time job or be, be, be well looked after by your family or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's tough. I feel like for for for, for the amount that you put in, um, there isn't too much return. You do get a bit of return, but there isn't too much that you get back. It's a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice, and and like even hearing your story, like your story is an absolute roller coaster, and like it's an emotional roller coaster, it's a physical roller coaster, and the big reason I got you on here, you're the, you're the youngest guest I've, I've had on so far. And, and the main reason why is because I just think you're going to achieve like massive things. Like I think you're such a, such a good athlete and, um, and, and to hear that maybe you're like questioning your spot in the sport a little bit. I, um, I understand it, but, but I think, I think that, that, that if you do persist that, that there's massive things um, in your future. Yeah. I mean, like when I say that, like, I think that there's been times where I have questioned it, but I feel like for where I'm at now, I don't want to leave the sport. I don't want to leave the sport now and like leave it in this way. I feel like I've, I do have more things that I want to achieve and that's hopefully what I'm going to achieve in 2023 and in 2024. And then I'm not sure what's going to happen after them, but yeah, I definitely, I would love to, I would love to finish my career hopefully as a two-time Olympian, hopefully as a finalist at a few more majors, hopefully a couple more national championships and hopefully a few, well, I don't have, I don't have them, any of them, but hopefully a, a national record or two or whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, I've definitely got things that I want to achieve in athletics, whether I'll achieve them or not, who knows, but um, hopefully I won't die wondering. But yeah, I'd like, I think maybe I kind of gave that perception before that 
like I've I've had enough of this sport. Um, definitely still got some legs in me, and I've still definitely got some years in me too. Awesome, yeah, I love to hear that. Hey, mate, I reckon we wrap it up there. But thanks so much for coming on. I um, yeah, I, I didn't realize that your story was quite as, I mean, like I don't know, I didn't, I don't want to say interesting, but like um as, as crazy as, it, as it's been like you, you you've been through so much for a for a 26 year old and and hearing what you went through you know both great and 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 quite quite bad um as a as an early 20 year old is is really crazy and such like open honest insight like that is really fascinating to to those of us who have never been in that position so yeah i can't thank you enough for coming on and and just being being real with your story because it's a it's a bloody good story um yeah, like I said, keep saying for good and bad. So yeah, I really appreciate it and can't thank you enough. Yeah, no, nah, no worries. I'm um, I don't know. I feel like I I'm I'm I usually keep it pretty honest and pretty real. So and I'm I the thing that I really like doing is just talking about athletics and I like sharing my story. So um, so yeah, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers, Luke. Um, I, I'm, I'm really keen to, to keep a close eye on, on, on your career and, and see how everything goes. So yeah, ha- have a good night, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on.